Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. Indeed's new 2022 DNI report has just gone live. It's one of the most comprehensive studies into DNI issues in Australian workplaces. Click the link in this episode's description to get your free copy. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is often full of gray areas, uncertainty, and quite possibly fear. High Potential with Indeed is here to help demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations. Groundbreaking ones too. I'm your host, Kathy Ngo, diversity, equity, and inclusion changemaker and presenter. I've spent over a decade in HR, corporate affairs, and communications, but I'm most passionate about pushing the boundaries relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. In this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices, and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com, the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Often privilege is thought as something only wealthy people experience. However, privilege appears in a multitude of forms and degrees that affect our lives both inside and outside of work. For example, your race, beauty, body, education, gender, sexual orientation, intelligence, religion, and many other characteristics can potentially play a role in your access to opportunities in the workplace. Talking about privilege, especially in the workplace, can be difficult and confronting for some. But the first step to creating a diverse and inclusive workplace for all is recognising that some of your workers may be benefiting from certain advantages that others are not. In this episode, we explore how employers can create a safe environment for reporting and discussing privilege and discrimination in the workplace and what changes can be implemented in order to ensure all employees are receiving the same opportunities. Our guest this week is Heidi Solomon, Chief People Officer at RACQ. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you, Cathy, and what a wonderful topic to be exploring today. Yes, we are exploring privilege. And yes, it is a privilege to have you here. I know how incredibly busy you are. Uh, to give our listeners a bit of insight into your role and some of its challenges and opportunities, tell us a little bit more about your role at RACQ. What does a typical day look like for you? Thank you, Kathy. And I, I guess the first answer is that there really is no typical day. And, and that's part of the privilege, I guess, that comes in, in my role, because I do get to experience many very different and, and some very wonderful and sometimes very challenging issues that I do that I do work with. But all in all, it's all about people. It's working with people um, at um, in, in, in various 
um, parts of our organization and in various different ways. Uh, we I often talk about our organization of being an organization of people for people, uh, because that's what we are as, as, a, as a mutual. And in my role, I work directly with our workforce and I also work with our leadership to, to help our leadership in all aspects of that work relationship that we have with our workforce more broadly. And that really comes from a pretty broad range right from that, um, bringing in the right talent to our organization and helping our talent to thrive as while they are in our organization and, and really helping to navig navigate all parts of that employment relationship. Um, and what I take great pleasure with, Cathy, is being able to try and help our people to grow their professional experience and to grow their careers. So I think this is an amazing organization that actually all organizations should do. This is not just to offer employment, but to offer a, a career um, for build it, people to build on their, their capabilities. Oh, that sounds really wonderful. And what sort of employees make up RICU? Like what sort of roles are they? Kathy Vich, RACQV, uh, we have employees from um, broad range of backgrounds. We have we are an organization that um, operates in the field of financial services. So we certainly have a, a lot of uh, talent from the financial services background, right from the actuarial, which is uh, very specific in, in, um, in, in this field, and right to our assistance business where we have our yellow truck feeling that our um, roadside people do provide so often for our members with very regular interaction that we have. So we do have a roadside cruise. We have uh, people on patrols who help people whose cars have been broken down. We have our tow operators and uh, we have lots of people in our contact centres who are the friendly friendly voice that you hear when you phone in and, and you need help either on roadside or, or in lodging your claims. So pretty broad range of, of workforce. Wow, that's Pretty exciting from actuary all the way to mechanics. <laughs> Very diverse workforce. Um, so since we're talking about privilege in this podcast, let's start by defining what privilege is, uh, the different types of privilege and how it manifests in the workplace. And, and maybe really but when we do start exploring concepts such such as privilege, it, it really is understanding what does privilege truly stand for. And in thinking of privilege, it really is about advantage or special right that um, is enjoyed by either an individual or, or go beyond um, what's available for others. And I guess it's, it, it is not only individual, but also could be groups. And um and, and I guess when you do explore it, uh, initially the thought can be that our privilege is limited to concepts or maybe groups such as socioeconomic backgrounds or, or specific status. But when we do think of privilege, it actually is something that um, does go beyond that. Um, it's, it's actually something that we all have, I believe, in some shape or some form. Oh, I agree with you. Um I have a lot of privilege and I do acknowledge that every day, uh, you know, how, how lucky and blessed I am. Um, so privilege is often thought of something that only wealthy people experience. I mean, I know that I'm not wealthy <laughs> at all, uh, but can you talk a little bit about this common misconception and why it is not true and quite a harmful kind of stereotype 
Yes, I, look, I, I think that is absolutely true. There are some common misconceptions, I believe, um, about privilege and being limited to that socioeconomical or wealth. Uh, and it's just so much more than that. I, I do think that um, in workplace, privilege can take all sorts of different shapes. Um, but I do also think that the level of privilege can also vary quite significantly. So I think that in, in workplace, um, it does tend to extend to issues such as demographics, uh, including diversity and inclusion, things like equality, gender, education, race, age, for example. Um, and, and I do see that it is different for, for every person, ultimately. I also think, Cathy, that the concept of privilege is evolving and it can be thought through a slightly different light to what it may have been considered traditionally, such as uh, if, if we think of the current climate, is privilege now shifting more to um, different advantages and benefits that we enjoy in the workplace, such as um, who is getting to work remotely or things such as um, what about flexibility uh, that people have unable to apply to their roles. So looking at perhaps thinking beyond uh, company costs or, or different entitlements such as that or the level of pay. So that there are those types of elements and we can also start thinking of privilege through a different lens, which is, is it more sense of belonging? Is it about being able to bring your whole self to work or being safe to truly be you at work? So I do think that that concept of privilege is evolving and it's going far beyond that more traditional lens that may have been applied to it. In fact, there's an article in Guardian, which I was, uh, which I was just flicking through and having a look, which does, you know, explore the concept that privilege is invisible to those who have it, which is a really interesting thought. Yes, that's right. I am familiar with that quote and it's, um, it's one that really sticks with me. Uh, Heidi, you mentioned earlier about remote work and the privileges of, of working from home. And it just made me think about people with a disability, how they were denied that opportunity before the pandemic. And now all of a, all of a sudden, everyone is working from home um, because really organisations didn't have a choice at the time. Um, yeah, it's just a, an interesting uh, reflection. And uh, also our Indeed report specified that um, a lot of people are hiding their identities because of that. Um, yeah, especially the people with a disability. So, yeah, it's just an interesting observation. Um, what are the impacts of privilege on workplace culture and on employees? Yes, look, and I think that's so much broader that might be immediately evident and it's... Um it's actually something that you really did touch on in terms of the broader impacts of privilege in our community and society as well in understanding issues that the disabled community explore as well. But I think in terms of impacts in the workplace more broadly, I think it's obvious to say that if we don't get it right, it does lead to dissatisfaction and disengagement of, of, of our people and potentially even further with our customers and the community more broadly with our brand. So it's really very critical to, to get it right from organisational perspective. But I think even beyond that, what's even more important is about doing what's right 
We do want our organisations and our society to be inclusive more broadly and to provide opportunities in a way that actually is, um, is, is right and reflective of what we believe in as, as humanity. So I think that if we flip the coin in terms of privilege and we start thinking about privilege, privilege in a different light, that is, what are the things that we can do to build consistency in advantage and in benefits, because that's really what privilege stands for. We actually start looking at privilege in a different way that um, can help build that broader sense of, of belonging and intrinsic motivation, regardless of where you are within an organisation. And I actually think that that would reflect more broadly in a society as well. Um, I, I think that you know, building that sense of belonging and being able to be yourself in a workplace has a really positive impact in culture. And um, it, it brings freedom and ultimately engagement of the workforce where people feel that they have freedom to act and think in the best, um, to, to bring their best forward in, in their work. What are some workplace privileges that can be often overlooked or missed. Um, we touched on a little bit earlier, people with disability. Is there anything else that you have observed in your career? Well, look, I, I think that particularly in the, in the area of diversity and inclusion, it's it's those aspects that we did before, equality more, more broadly, whether it's gender, race or ethnicity or cultural backgrounds, for example, there's, uh, it's, um, there are some real issues there that, that that sense of belonging or not really knowing how things might work for the broader group or majority group that are actually an advantage. So I guess when we think about that, there are lots of things that can be a little bit hidden that we don't often think about or we don't often necessarily talk about that can impact that um, that, that uh, experience and can be seen as a privilege for others or, or groups. And even if we take that concept a bit broader beyond diversity and inclusion, which is a very significant part of our workforce and workforce experience, it can come to things such as the freedom to be you. And that does link partially into diversity and inclusion indirectly, doesn't it? But it's not limited to that concept alone. Um, or to truly owning your own space and having having uh, decision rights, for example, or being able to um, or being enabled to make a difference through what, what it is that you do or being able to self-actualize. So it's sort of almost the extent to which we take privilege. It can have different uh, different dimensions to the, to the experience. And I don't think, Cathy, that in any way in workforce we have fully um, understood that and that we are fully in a way of resolving it to drive that greatest level of experience consistently for all of our people. But gee, I'm so pleased that we have this dialogue in workplace and I'm really pleased that there's interest more broadly in the community in it because when we have the dialogue, we make progress. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, a lot of people get really defensive with the word privilege, but you're right, like the more we talk about it, the more, you know, comfortable we get with the idea of privilege because, as you mentioned earlier, everyone has privilege um, some form or another. Um, 
and sometimes privilege can be quite hard to recognise. So uh, how can organisations recognise some of the privileges a bit more? Um, so I, I guess that... Um, in, in terms of recognising the privileges, it's it's actually having that discussion, firstly thinking about it, then it's having discussion about it in order to be able to do something positive or constructive about it. Because I guess that's as any concept, privilege can either have a negative side or can have a positive side. And when we are willing to have um, constructive conversations or discussions about different issues or topics, they can actually deal with them and they can start doing something that drives a difference. Um, so I think that that to me is is, is a really important part of that. Mm, having the conversation, that's right. Um, it can be quite confronting to talk about people's privilege and I know that we talk a lot about constructive conversations. What does that actually look like? Because um, you know, talking about these things can be really hard and, you know, some people would rather talk about, I don't know, what they did on the weekend rather than privilege. So how, how can we actually start these conversations? I guess my, my sort of first thought is that um, when we are thinking about having the conversation and, and starting the dialogue, just don't be afraid to bring it up. Let's not let's not be um, shy about talking those talking about those things that might initially seem difficult because sometimes when we um, sometimes when we do we actually find that it isn't and and having things out in the open as as a discussion actually starts bringing and building awareness and understanding to the issue in itself. I think that inviting those people around us who know best, such as specific employee groups or interest groups, because they've got the experience around it. it. It's I think that's really, really important. And asking them, how could things be different? What is it that we can do that we can start driving positive and constructive change? Because we should always be seeking for um, improvement and doing things better for all of us. You mentioned employee groups. Are these the um, employee action groups? Yes. Look, I think definitely employee action groups who are just so incredibly positive and uh, make such a contribution to product experience of all of our workforce. And those groups really can be quite um, broad. We, we can have groups that um, are specifically focused on some parts of, of um, I guess, driving um equalization of experience and whether that's going to be on let's say gender or lgtbiq or or whether it's going to be some uh ethnicity groups where we're trying to drive equalization of experience so there's many groups in that sense but i would take it broader than that um there are groups that some organizations run and for example we do which we call business connectors which are simply enabling people from different backgrounds within the organization to be connecting and networking to be driving that different experience. So I think that's what I mean about broader lens in terms of providing understanding to, to privilege and equalization of advantage and benefits. Um, I think there's, um, there's, there's a quite a broad way through which we can try to provide that. 
I like the sound of Business Connectors. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it? So Business Connectors is something that we do in our organisation, which actually is an employee-driven initiative, fully and, and solely actually. Um, in, in terms of our Business Connectors, these are a group of our employees who get together and they try to connect different parts of our organisation, building understanding of different capabilities and talents that are needed to drive business outcomes. And it really is the business community getting together from all levels of the organisational hierarchy in uh, making sure that we connect and we have dialogue to enable different individuals and different parts of the organisation to be getting the best possible results, both individuals and collectively. It's a very active group and um, it's it's a group who um, truly is getting um, a return of, of that interest and investment that they make. Wonderful. I like the whole concept of networking just with different groups of people and I just love how it's employee driven because I mean often when there are just too many leaders there it can be quite challenging to have those conversations or um, you know those difficult conversations because of, of that fear of judgment. And that's I think where that freedom to be you and to be enabled to act and to bring your whole self with your thoughts, your ideas on how to challenge the status quo and how to really drive a difference is so important for organisations. And I do think really connects so closely with the concept of, of privilege where we're equalising that because we all have contributions to make from different perspectives. Um, and uh, yes, the more we can introduce forums where that is empowered and enabled, I think the better it is for individuals and organisations more broadly. You mentioned challenging the status quo. And I mean, sometimes I, I try to challenge the status quo, but I'm thinking about being quite a regulated industry, being in insurance. How can employees effectively challenge the status quo when it's just such a highly regulated industry? Well, look, it, there are different ways in which we can um, challenge uh, status quo. Status quo doesn't necessarily mean um, challenging um, rules or regulations. It never is in regulated industries. It actually is about challenging how we're doing things. Are we truly, are we doing things in the best possible way that we possibly can? Are we driving things as efficiently as we can? Are we always considering the outcome through the lens? That's the best lens to do that. And I sincerely believe that the best people to be questioning it and to be challenging the status quo are the people who are doing the work. So it's certainly, to me, it's not, uh, it, it's not something that operating within a regulated industry would limit. It actually is always any organisations working within regulations of the industry they're in, but it's about how do we do it? How do we apply it in the best possible way to drive, uh, to drive the uh, outcome that we need to? So that takes involvement of every single person in our workforce in order to drive that um, continuous, continuously doing things better. So Heidi, you mentioned before some of the negative impacts of not addressing privileges before. So for example, uh, I think you mentioned about dissat employee dissatisfaction, disengagement. Um, but what else uh, are there? 
the, 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 I guess the obvious answer really is that ultimately um, not getting it right means that you're not getting the best out of your employees and we're not driving then the best results for our customers and for the communities more broadly. But I guess importantly, I think all employers really do want our workforce and our people to be having a good experience. And that is a cost of not getting privilege right. Um, we, uh, we need to we need our people to know that we are seeking for the best outcomes for them and we're seeking for the best outcomes for them consistently and fairly across across everyone and um you know that builds trust and without getting that right we won't have the trust that we need to have an organization that we really seek to have. Um, and similarly I believe that our customers expect us to have and and the community more broadly. What top three actionable items can employers implement in their organisation to specifically help preventing workplace privileges? Well, I think firstly, it is simply not being afraid to have the conversation, particularly raising awareness um, and awareness right from the top, but also more broadly in the organisation to understand if there's something we're not aware of that we are inadvertently doing that's actually driving privilege in a way that we're not aware. So we need to be having the conversation and to make sure that we understand what privilege or privilege might not exist. That's not evidently clear. Secondly, I do believe is we just need to listen to our people. They are so that they are everything to us in, in organizations. So let's make sure that not only do we have conversations, but secondly, we actually really listen. And I think that thirdly, we then take action. Which is, uh, which is really critical. It's unless we do something about the experience that's there to drive a constructive um, change, it's, it, the, the dialogue hasn't had an impact. So it's really important, I think, to have all those three parts and let's involve everyone we possibly can to that conversation, including the empl different employee groups that I mentioned before. Um, I think there's always, always work to be done and there's always opportunity to improve and uh, we can really make a difference to all of those around us. Love that, love that. Now the final question which we finish every episode of Higher Potential with Indeed is what will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? I think that... The, the key to that is to realise that that work is never done. I think that's that's critical. There's always, always room for doing uh, better. And we will keep need to keep our eye on the horizon always to make sure that we don't lose our course and we keep on moving ahead. I love that. Eye on the horizon. Thank you so much, Heidi, for your time. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me, Cathy. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Higher Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, click the link in this episode's description and fill out the form. Just a quick note, the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed.
Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.